So yeah, I'll get this uh, to recording. We're in Jeremiah chapter nine. What what famous thing? What is Jeremiah known as? He's famous for many things. He's what? He's the weeping prophet. And so, uh, so he uh, wept for his country. And uh, what Jeremiah saw, he, he saw that his country was kind of deteriorating from within. And I, that's kind of why we picked this book to study at this time. We kind of see our own country going down the tube, so to speak. And, you know, I think it's in Jeremiah where the people were desiring false prophets. They wanted to hear things that tickled their ears and they didn't want to hear the truth. We're going to see today that they were not valiant for the truth. And so, uh, so Jeremiah became this just so burdened for his people. And uh, we're going to see here in chapter 9, verse 1, that he, he was weeping and mourning for his nation. Uh, I know Jim announced this, but uh, I wanted to read to you who our deacons are. We do deacon nomination every two years. And uh, I just realized I'm going to be out of town next Sunday, so I will miss the deacon installation. But uh, these are our nominees. Chris Cohen, Luke Fleshman, Rex Fugate, Brian Johnson, Mitch Newland, our very own Jim Stovall, and Lance Yoder. So we've got seven deacons this time around. And I think we may have had seven last time, but uh, one person moved on, one had some health trouble, or two had health trouble, and so we kind of dwindled down to only two or three deacons right now. So anyway, Jim, we we hope that's not the way this crop of deacons go, or they move away, or they get sick, or hurt, or we got to keep you in the game. But uh, anyway, we're excited to have these men and. I was telling the class, Jim, I guess I'm going to be gone next Sunday night, so I'm going to miss that. But uh, anyway, Brother Jim's going to teach next Sunday in my place. My dad turns 85 on Friday, this Friday, so I'm going to go visit him Saturday uh, afternoon. And So anyway, spend some time with my dad. But we've got a... There's a place in Centerville, Iowa, where uh, it's a good little steak place, so we'll probably go there, maybe. So that'll be fun. So anyway, Angie's writing our memory verse up on the board, and so I thought we might rehearse that a little bit this morning, because, you know, um, I was actually asked this in, in jail one time. And I was in there with Brian Hedges, and I was ministering to the inmates. And some guy asked, you know, what keeps you guys out of trouble? How do you how do you stay, you know, on the straight and narrow, so to speak? And and I was a little bit lost for words, and I shot out something. But anyway, uh, Brian had a good follow up. He kind of saved the day on that. Uh, but anyway, what I, what I what I'm thinking is, I think this is kind of what Jeremiah kept him going. There, there's three or four really kind of famous verses in Jeremiah, and this is one of them. But Jeremiah says uh, to God, "Thy words were found, and I did eat them." And so we said, you know, when you eat something, it, it becomes part of you. And so Jeremiah got this word from God, and he had the promises of God. <clears throat> Hey, girls. And so I noted how that... uh, I just thought this was kind of interesting how he ate God's Word, but then then he used... uh, So it's plural there and it's singular there and... So that's just kind of interesting, and 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 then he says it's the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Uh, it just just how personal it was that hey, this is mine, and it, it brings me great joy, and it's rejoicing. And he said the reason that he has this joy is 
he's called by uh, thy name, O Lord God of hosts. So let's just read this together once, and then uh, I'm going to erase some words. We'll try to read it again. Let's all say it together. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Change the to thy. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> As you wrote a lot. Okay. Yeah. There we go. They, uh, I don't want to get you guys to memorize it wrong. You know? <laughs> this is an example how exact those scribes had to be. Because even, even looking at it and writing it, she messed up a letter here. But uh, <laughs> okay, so we're gonna erase uh, words. Oh no! Word and mine hard. How about that? All right, let's we'll do it one more time here. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Okay. All right, we're going to do this one more time. Okay. <laughs> it yeah, is. Good. Yeah. Oh, 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 man. Yeah. It's going to be tough. All right. What do you think? That's good enough? Because oh. I, I messed up that time. I said word instead of words. So. All right. <laughs> Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Is it O Lord God of hosts? God of hosts, I think. Yeah. O Lord God of hosts. Anyway, uh, it was just really neat that uh, he's the Lord God of hosts, and in the, in the Bible, hosts is represents two different things like the hosts of heaven like the stars and the moon and the planet and mm-hmm. and the sun but it's also the heavenly hosts the angels they're they're likened to stars sometimes oh, yeah. <laughs> well there you go yeah. now do it. I thought you were I thought you were yeah. uh, no. way too much <laughs> I was like I was starting to get stressed I can't, I can't do it <laughs> Angie and I have tried to memorize this before today and but she picked it up on the... Would you mind just saying it to the whole group? Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for... Oh, I lost it. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. That's it. So, good job. So, anyway... For a second... I really do think that's kind of what kept Jeremiah going because, man, when every when everything around you is falling apart and God's people, uh, it's funny. God actually he said he said he's called. That's pretty cool to feel like you're called to do something. And um, but he's also told that the people are not going to listen. So he's he's called by the Lord to give this message or many messages. <clears throat> And yet, uh, he's told the people are not going to listen to you. So, anyway, I just read chapter 30 some today, uh, 39 and or 38 and 39 today, and so that that that's when he's actually the actually the Babylonians come and take take him captive. So, anyway, that's the way it's going. But here in uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1, who wants to read verse 1 for us? Alicia's got a new Bible cover. Very fancy. I'll read it over when we get there. Well, let's let Rich read it. You you can read another one. Not chapter nine, verse one. Oh, they, oh, that my head were watered, and my mine eyes without the tears, that my grief day and night. Of the of my <clears throat> yeah, so they were under siege. The enemy were knocking at the door. And uh, Jeremiah said, man, I wish I could cry more than I actually am. He's, his, uh, his eyes are a fountain of tears. He's just, he's just a big ball and mess right there. 
And it says that several times in Jeremiah and other place that he uh, is weeping. And he actually wrote the book of Lamentation, the very next book, because he was lamenting over Jerusalem. And uh, I put down a Romans verse there. The Bible says to weep with them that weep and to uh, uh, rejoice. Let's see. Let me see how it says it. I'll, I'll read it here for you. So yeah, Romans twelve fifteen says to rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep, and so that's just a way that we care for one another. If if uh, you know somebody's going through a hard time, you want to weep with them, and and uh, Jeremiah did have a few friends. We're going to see he had a scribe, I think named Baruch. And uh, there was also another uh, guy that helped him pull him out of the mire when he was in a dungeon. And so he, he does have a few friends that did come alongside and weep and mourn. And But uh, anyway, you can just see how heavy-hearted he is here. And then he says in verse 2, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they be all adulterers and assembly of treacherous men. And uh, many of us have to go through that to where uh, he would rather be by himself in the wilderness because his people were so evil. And maybe sometimes we have to, uh, you know, leave playgrounds and playmates. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had to do that, just kind of cut ties with somebody. Or maybe maybe even just blocking them on your phone, right? That's that's not a bad idea to do with uh, if you have some toxic relationships. But you have to do that for recovery. Yeah. So you've done it. You don't have some of the same contacts in your phone probably. No. So that's good. Well, that's even in this life. I mean, it doesn't take addiction to have to cut people off. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So uh, anyway, um, you know, we kind of laugh about it, but uh, there's a verse in Proverbs I gave you there. In fact, look at that with me. <clears throat> it goes with what we're saying. And this is uh, not true of my wife. So as we read it, Proverbs 21, she knows what I'm going to say. Proverbs 21:19. I'll just wait till we get there. Let's let's read that together. Somebody want to read it? It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Yeah, so that that's kind of where Jeremiah is at. It's like, man, I would rather dwell in the wilderness than with this adulterous uh, and assembly of treacherous men. But anyway, this is an observation of Solomon, and uh, it's just better to dwell in. If, if someone's contentious and angry, it's just better to... I can contest to <laughs> Okay, so literally it's true for uh, Tom, but anyway, it's, it is a good... Uh, principle there that goes with what Jeremiah is saying and uh, it says in verse 3 back in Jeremiah 9-3 it says and they bend their tongue like their their bow for lies but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth for they proceed from evil to evil and they know not me saith the Lord and uh, that's kind of convicting, uh, not being valiant for truth. We know that uh, God's word is truth, and it's actually the truth that make you free. And, and he says at the front of that, they're bending their tongue like a bow for lies. They're, they're trying to shoot out lies and say these untruths. And so that's the teaching point I gave you down there uh, at the bottom. of. Does everybody have a handout? I don't know if everybody... I think I made 19 of them this today. <clears throat> I think everybody's got one. So my teaching point is just that lies bring into bondage, but truth makes free. And that's what the John 8.32 says, that thy truth... Uh, um, well, what does it say? Does somebody know that one? I haven't given you the blank yet. Uh yeah, look up John 8.32. Uh, 
That's where the truth makes free. This is like Steve Currington's life verse when he was he had a car wreck and was on his deathbed and he he started Reformers Unanimous with this verse right here. John eight thirty two. Is that it, Connie? Yes. Okay, go ahead and read it, girl. Um, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. <clears throat> right, so you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Thank you. It wasn't uh, coming to my mind right then. And I, I do like it that it says it'll make you free. It, sometimes it's a process of you know getting those lies out of our lives. Because the truth will liberate you, and and so we we see this literally happening to Jeremiah. The, the day of Jeremiah, the children of Israel, they're believing false prophets, and those lies that they believed that idolatry is going to be a good thing for you, and serving these other gods, and not following God's word are going to be a good thing, and they believe that, or at least they wanted to believe it. And yet uh, they they were taken into bondage because so in a very literal way and and that that's true with in, in addiction you know you, you think uh, drugs or alcohol are going to be uh, you know fun and exciting and pleasurable and and yet it does bring into bondage and you uh, can and likely will end up in jail and you will literally be in bondage as well as uh, physically so. Anyway, uh, so in verse 8 is one thing I wanted to bring out. Their tongue is an arrow shot out. uh, It speaketh deceit. One speaketh peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart he layeth in wait. And uh, so you can imagine, what do we call that when you're saying one thing, but you're thinking something else? Or lying your butt you're lying. Double-minded. You're double-minded. What's the hypocrite. hypocrite? Is what I was thinking. So I put hypocrite in the in the blank there. God's people are being hypocrites. They're uh, speaking peaceably toward their neighbor, but in their heart they're laying wait. They're they're getting ready to wrong their neighbor. And uh, don't don't all of you hate hypocrisy in other people? <laughs> yeah. But we can be that way, can't we? And uh, I've, I've actually said this in the jail setting. I, I said, you know, hi, my name is Steve, and I am a recovering hypocrite. And uh, people laugh at that, but it's kind of a good thing to say because we've all been hypocritical, and and people. That's why a lot of people don't go to church because those hypocrites down there, right? So anyway, uh, so we don't want to, and we know there's no perfect church per se because uh, sinful people go there. But uh, we we can serve and worship the Lord with a pure heart and a a perfect heart. So anyway, because of all this, uh, judgment is coming. And so that's what verses 9 through 11. Would someone want to read 9 through 11 for us? There you go. Jeremiah 9, verses uh, 9 through 11. Okay. They shall not visit them for these things. Thank the Lord, shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this. For the mountains will I take up a weeping and wailing, and for the habitations of the wilderness a lamentation, because they are burned up so that none can pass through them, neither can men hear the voice of the cattle, both the fowl of the heavens and the beast of blood, they are gone. And I will make Jerusalem heaps, and a den of dragons, and I will make the cities of Judah desolate without inhabitants. Yeah, so it's just a very... So this is God's judgment. We're going to kill all the animals and burn everything up and 
it's going to be desolation and so there's a spiritual side this den of dragons and Jerusalem's going to be heaps and that that's kind of what people did when they conquered some cities they would just break them down uh, the walls and just make it a heap uh, heap of stones but uh, there are several times if you look back to chapter 5 that's where God brings this up in chapter 5 of Jeremiah God keeps talking about visiting his people and you know that that's a kind of a scary thing I, I know in our company we're a pharmaceutical business and uh, you know when you hear the FDA is coming to visit to visit you know those are everybody's kind of on high alert and we're supposed to be you know audit ready and all those things but you you definitely uh, sweep the floor and wipe the countertops and things like that but in in chapter 5 verse 9 the Bible says shall I not visit for these things saith the Lord and shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this and if you go down to verse 29 of chapter 5 it says like the same thing shall I not visit for these things saith the Lord shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this and so he keeps he keeps saying you know I'm coming I'm going to visit and uh, and he did he he uh, visited by way of having Babylon take take uh, Judah and Benjamin into captivity for 70 years so many of the many of the people in Jeremiah's audience are either killed or taken into captivity and so that's his judgment so it's kind of a I put my teaching point it's either a turn or burn he keeps telling him you know you need to turn your heart to the Lord or uh, you know we're going to burn your city and take the women and children captive and all those things and it made me think of uh, Jude Jude is a, a kind of a popular verse with our recovery group if you guys want to turn to your next to your last book of your Bible Jude it's only one chapter right before Revelation and there's a couple of verses here I want you to see that we kind of pattern our logo after Jude chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 Connie is your middle name Sue? No. Oh, I keep wanting to call you Connie Sue. A lot of people call me a lot of different <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I answer to a lot of them. Are they all good? No. Who has? Uh, Connie Sue has it. Connie Sue has it. <laughs> <laughs> and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others safe with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. So this is kind of a contrast. You know, on some we have compassion making a difference. So we, you know, that's kind of our logo is to make make a difference. We want to, we may not save the whole world through life issues, but we want to make a difference. We want to have an impact. And then in verse 23 that Connie read, and others with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. And I think Pastor Brian would tell you that his testimony is just hearing or reading the book of Revelation, feeling like we're in the end times, the Lord's coming back. It created kind of a fear in him like, man, I need to be saved. Uh, He just felt uh, overwhelmed with his sin. And so, so both are true. And I think especially with children, you know the Bible says the goodness of the Lord of God leadeth us to repentance. So there's there's a goodness, there's a lovingness that God woos you to Himself. But if someone's just kind of hell bent on the wrong path to do evil, they need to know the bridge is out, buddy. You know you're going to jail or the grave on the path you're on, and it hopefully creates a little bit of fear. 
so that's kind of his message to the Jews there that this judgment and desolation's coming. There's going to be lamentation and weeping and wailing. And uh, so let, let's go back to Jeremiah now. And this is one of the other famous passages. There's, like I said, three or four famous passages in. Maybe it's maybe it's the next. I'm going to hold off on what saying what I was going to say. Let's let's look at verse uh, 12 through 16 here. It kind of goes on. Uh, it says, "Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he, whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken, that he may declare it?" For what the land perisheth and is burned up like a wilderness and none passeth through. So Jeremiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord and he's saying, Who is the wise man? Give me someone who has understanding who can... Uh, the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it. So they're looking for a preacher, aren't they? They're looking for some wise person that could kind of stand in the gap and speak God's word and declare it. And so I gave you on your handout there just someone who... There's this trinity of virtues, this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And uh, thank you. And uh, so, knowledge. When we have knowledge, we we kind of know what is right. We we hear truth. It's from God to us. Hopefully, we're reading and hearing and uh, listening to this today. And understanding is developed when we obey what is right. So, you know, the Word of God is what's truth. The Bible is truth. And once we uh, hear it and know it, we can know truth. And then as we obey it, we develop an understanding and we become obedient. And so it's for our lives. And then wisdom is usually for others. Do you, do you know uh, who who's famous in the Bible for wisdom? Solomon. Solomon. And so we almost all of us know that, hopefully. And uh, God just gave him supernatural knowledge, right? He just prayed for it. God says, "Give me, uh, ask what you will," and and he did. He asked for the knowledge or wisdom and an understanding heart. Do you know why he asked for it? He he said that I may do what? Lead people. Lead people. And there's another word I'm looking for. Uh, that, that he could do judgment. And it, it, you don't think of it like that, but wisdom was for him that he could judge thy so great a people. And uh, so he just felt inadequate himself. He's like, God, I'm just like a little kid. I don't know how to come in or go out. I find myself in this midst of this great people, and I want this wise and understanding heart that I can judge your people. And uh, so we need wisdom for judgment. And with us, it's not like we're sitting up here with a gavel, but it's like in decision making. You know, do I do this or I don't do that? I, I need wisdom to make decisions in my life. And so that's what God was looking for. Uh, and someone that can declare it that, you know, Israel, Jerusalem, this is not the right path to be on. And they need to declare it to others. And then in verse 13 and 14, back in Jeremiah 9, they uh, turn the page in my Bible. Somebody read 13 and 14 if they will. And the Lord saith, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart, and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Yeah, and I I may have known this, but I forgot it. Uh, What is Balaam the plural form of? What is it? It is. It's Baal. I did not know that. So as I read it, it's kind of a little bit of a light bulb moment for me. So Balaam is like the plural of Baal, B-A-A-L. And that was uh, uh, a pagan sun god. 
and uh, kind of uh, the male deity uh, that's connected with Ashtaroth, the, the, the female deity, the, the queen of heaven that they were worshipping. So they're walking after Balaam, it says, that their fathers had taught them and they walk, they're walking in the imagination of their own heart. And I, I meant to look this up, but verses 15 and 16. Uh, in fact, somebody just read verse 16 only, if they will. I will scatter them also among the heathen, whom neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will send a sword after them till I have consumed them. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, do you know God, God did that? He scattered them among the nations. And uh, up until 1948, so th- this is like around uh, from 606 BC till 1948, over 2,000 years, 2,500 years, the Jews were not a nation, they, they were scattered among the nations. And, uh, and and I gave you just a few references there, but like the James 1.1, James is writing to the 12, sca- 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So even when James in the New Testament is writing, they're, they're scattered abroad. And so there, there are several prophecies to uh, scatter his people. And uh, that, that's what happens the night the Lord was betrayed, wasn't it? He... Uh, the sheep fled from the shepherd or they were like uh, sheep with no shepherd anyway I just kind of looked at that word scatter and and, and kind of cross reference it through some things so here let me uh, in this next section let me tell you something else that I learned and hopefully this is right but uh, in in Jeremiah 9 verses 17 he says thus saith the Lord of hosts consider ye and call for the mourning women that they may come and send for cunning women that they may come and and I'll stop there but I read this I, I don't know if you've ever read this but they actually hired people to come mourn have you heard of that? you were shaking your... I've never knew that, and there's some other references about the mourners and. Yeah, the pharaohs used to kill a lot of people when they buried mm-hmm. uh, high up guys, so that there would be more people crying. Huh. <laughs> Way to give them come. Huh. And buried them in the. Yeah. In the. You know. Some of the tombs and. Well, anyway, uh, I put the word lamentation in your blank there. There there was a call for mourning women. So this is on the back, your second page of your handout. The call for mourning women and cunning women to make haste to wail and to teach their daughters to wail and their neighbor lamentation, it says. And so I put that historically there have been some called or paid to attend funerals and weep. And I, I don't think I really knew that. Well, they're kind of doing that now, all over, you know. Uh, and I don't mean this to sound bad and political and everything, but any time there's a, a murder or was a, an officer and a black person, mm. some rich person sends all these people to come and start these riots mm. that does all this stuff in New York and St. Louis and California and sorry, okay. political, but it's still going on. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good... I hadn't made that connection either. Well, that's good. Huh. Well, anyway, that, this this was something to mourn because their sin had consequences and they were really in a dire way. So, no, that, that was actually good, Connie. And uh, I left you another blank there under your teaching point. But let, let's go back to Second Chronicles. Because it's very, it's the same time frame that we're talking about here. 
So look back at Second Chronicles. This is how we learn where books are at. We have to go. You kind of know need to know which way to turn, but First and Second Samuel, First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, chapter thirty six. And we've said this before that this is the last book and last chapter of the Jewish Bible. And uh, chapter 36 and verse 16 is what I, I put. Uh, let, me, let me back up here a little bit. Okay, I'm going to look at Second Chronicles 36 verse 14. Moreover, all of all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. And they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose up against his people till there was no remedy. And that's what I had you put in your blank. Uh, The judgment comes when there's no remedy. So it's like this is broke and it can't be fixed. There's, There's no remedy. You know, at some point... If you're making something and you put in the wrong ingredients and at some point you got to toss it out, don't you? It's like, I can't add more milk, I can't add more flour. Don't watch the cooking channel because you start experimenting and you throw a lot more food out. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and it's not happening to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I do that. Um, cooking person. Jim helped me make brownies and he thought I told him to put in like four cups of water when it was like maybe a couple. So he's going to go to the dollar store and get 13 boxes of brownies. So Jim added too much water to the brownie mix and then he was going to go get more brownie mix, I guess. Well, she saved it. She was able to do something cool. Oh, she saved it. We were going to need like so many eggs for it. was just ridiculous. So then I took half the batter and kind of did my own little Ah. and I saved her. Okay. <laughs> she rescued the brownies. Yeah, cool. I have a pants on. Hey, Jim. We got to dump the dollar brownie. Mix yes. And start She's it got her. a good brownie recipe right uh, now. Go ahead, tell us. You put vanilla pudding mix inside of it. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh. And what's the yogurt stuff? You was talking a lot. And, uh, that is good. <laughs> yogurt plate yogurt. And the brownies? Yeah, I need a little more of this recipe. Yeah, you may have to. You may have to give us a sample. And then mix it. Yeah, samples. Yeah, <laughs> maybe she can bring them. Right <laughs> you put the original yeah. recipe in it first, then you add the yolk plate, then you add the vanilla pudding mix. Mm-hmm. And then that's the butter. Next Sunday. Huh. Yeah, next Sunday. Taste that. Woohoo! Talk again. Okay, I'm going to catch. And I swear, Ashley. It's Sarah Moore, they call it the cocaine cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're in a, uh, really hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're cracked chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a well, when I death by it, chocolate. Pam Anderson yeah. and Pam Jackson were PCP. We make people feel good. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. This is going south here. <laughs> Went from brownies to cocaine to. (laughs) (laughs) We were really driven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good news, the good news here, you know, God, God is long suffering, (laughs) and uh, but with His people, there's a point that there's no remedy, and so I guess there's a point that God kind of throws in the towel. And so that's where he's at with his people. So at that point, judgment has to happen. And because God loves his people and he don't want them going down that road. 
So he is going to uh, have allow the enemy to slay some of them, and but he takes a remnant into captivity, and he uses that word remnant uh, uh, over in later in Jeremiah. We'll see it, but uh, this is where they were at. <laughs> Now, uh, 23 and 24 are the famous verses, uh, just like we wrote on the board. But somebody read 23 and 24. These these are verses that, if you haven't even read the book of Jeremiah, you, you might recognize these. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Billy, you want to read today, brother? I don't have a King James. Oh, you don't? Well, you, you can go ahead. We're, we're glad you're with us this morning. Yeah. What the Lord says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boast boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord. Who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. And these I delight, declares the Lord. Amen. Yeah. So, yeah, if you don't know Billy, we got Billy with us this morning. And so, thank you for reading that. And so, he, we don't want the wise man to boast because you're so wise, or if you're so strong, you shouldn't glory in how strong you are. And if you're so rich, uh, we don't need to, you don't need to glory in that. But so that's I wrote these things on your on your handout. Uh, three things that men boast of: they do boast in their wisdom, and they they glory in their might, and they glory in their riches. But uh, there are some things we can glory in that we know and understand God. Where uh, we can glory that God exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. And that these things delight God instead of human wisdom, power, and riches. So, anyway, those are just kind of three famous or, or two famous verses there. And I, I put this uh, Psalm 34. We should, uh, as our teaching point, we should delight ourselves in what delights God. And look at 37.4. I bet somebody, does anybody have that memorized? Delight thyself now in him and I think that's it. He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Let's look at that. Uh, Carol, won't you read that for us if you would? Psalm thirty seven. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. That's good. So, I don't. I don't. I did this one. I think it's when we were being discipled. Our disciples just asked us to do like a word study. What, what pleases the Lord? So, we just. You can just do like a strong study of the word please, and you can. You can go through the Bible and see what pleases the Lord. You know, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we know we need to have faith. And those are things that uh, pleases the Lord. So if we delight ourselves in Him, uh, He'll He'll give us the desires of our hearts. So there's like a 100% chance of getting your prayers answered if you're praying for something that pleases God anyway. So anyway, that, that's just a cool verse. Question. Please. Yeah. There's a scripture somewhere that says, Not by... My or, not by might, not by strength, but by my power, saith the Lord. Does yes. Know how to find that? Because I know I butchered that. Yeah, that's uh, I think Zechariah four six. Let's let's see if I'm right on that. What? Well, the people ask me the ones I know. I guess. <laughs> I think it's Z E C H, isn't it, Zechariah? Yep, you're right. Am I right? You want to read it? Nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Yeah, it is. All right. Yep. 
Well, cool. Yeah, so it's uh, not by might, but it's by his spirit. So that that was a, that was what keyed you in there, wasn't it? Because we're talking about this mighty man. So anyway, that was that section. I want to. We've got about. There's there's one thing I want to get to here this morning. Hopefully, I think we can get through all this. Uh, 25 and 26. I guess we're to the last two verses. So yeah, we can get this for sure. Jeremiah 9, 25-26 Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised. <clears throat> Egypt and Judah and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the uttermost corners that dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are circumcised are, are uncircumcised in heart. So th- this is a big condemnation, right? To the Jews, this is like taboo. Like, you know, you, Jew, are going to be punished with the uncircumcised. And and that's, that's why I gave you in your blank there. God will punish, the word punish, the circumcised with the uncircumcised. And he mentions these five nations... And he says that the house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. And so, uh, if someone was to ask you who the first Jew was, who would you say? Abraham. Abraham. Why would you say that? He's the father of the Jew. He's the father of the Jew, but he received this covenant of circumcision. That's... Uh, so I want us to all see that we're going to look up a few verses we got another 20 minutes here so let's look these up there's one in Acts 7 is where it's called a covenant let's let's look at Acts 7 People who pay attention on this, they'll be doing candy bars out. Oh, okay. Acts 7, verse 8. Jim says that uh, there may be some a pop quiz on this next Sunday when he teaches, and there'll be candy bars attached to right answers. Jim is good at that. I, I stink at give. <laughs> We're studying circumcision, so. Everybody's on high alert. What? Candy bars. Brownies. <laughs> okay, Acts seven verse eight. Who's got that? And he gave them the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. Yeah, so it was this covenant of circumcision. So uh, it's funny, you you probably don't know this, but Peculiar Missouri uh, was probably named after the peculiar in the Bible. And... um, the Jews were called a peculiar people and part of that is because they were circumcised and everybody else was not they were the Gentiles and so God kind of set them apart physically Uh, they were different and uh, of course they had the oracle of God they had the word of God and so they were peculiar in other ways but they are, are called a peculiar people and this chosen priesthood and look just one chapter over from where you're at in Romans uh, from Acts to Romans chapter 4 because yeah I just thought I would just kind of talk the rest of our time about this thing of circumcision Uh, Romans chapter 4 And verses 11 and 12 say this, Romans 4, 11. 
and he received the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe though they be not circumcised that righteousness might be imputed unto them also and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the faith or in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham which he had yet being uncircumcised so what what does that mean that he received this sign or seal of circumcision when he was still uncircumcised what is he talking about think historically in Abraham's life God believed. I mean, he believed in God. Yes. Yeah, so God showed him the stars of the heaven and the sand of the sea and said, Your descendants are going to be like that, even though he was he didn't have any children. Yeah, I think what he's telling too is circumcision doesn't save him. He was saved before, you know, in our terminology. But that was a that's a token of the covenant yes. made with Abraham. Because you believe, because I'm imputing you my righteousness, I'm giving you this to do, to be a sign of your salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, so he was still uncircumcised, but he, he believed God, and the Bible says it was counted to him for righteousness. He, God imputed or gave him righteousness just because he believed. Yeah. And that's what it's saying here that we're, he's the father of all them that believe. Everybody who, and everybody in this room, I think we would say we've all believed, we trust in Christ as our Savior. And so we have kind of a token or an ordinance uh, called baptism. And baptism is a public profession of a of a private faith, right? It, we're publicly displaying that we are God's children. We we have put our faith and trust. So God kind of did the same thing for Abraham. Uh, he gave him this sign or this seal. And uh, now the word circumcision is kind of a compound word. I'll see if this makes sense. It it makes sense to me. I've got enough microphone to hang myself. Uh, a circle incision. And... Uh, you know, it's kind of a, almost a medical thing. We we know that the male reproductive organ they cut away the the fleshy part uh, to reveal the the uh, the male organ, and uh, it means to cut around. So that's what circumcision means. The word to cut around. And uh, so Abraham, the first Jew, was given this seal inwardly before he was circumcised outwardly. And that's what Jim was saying there. And so today, believers are commanded to be baptized to show the world that they have been born again into God's family. And so all Jews were commanded to circumcise their males eight days after their birth as a covenant to show the world that they were God's people. And I, I believe uh, I believe that's when they named their children as well. They they named them on the eighth day, and even Jesus was taken to the temple eight days after his birth. And that's when you know Anna and uh, Simeon or Simon uh, saw him, and they they blessed uh, his, the family. And um, so now let, let's. So, so God uses this, circum, this surgical term, circumcision, because he performs a spiritual operation inside the heart of every person who comes to him by faith, just like Abraham. The spiritual circumcision of Christ uh, is made without hands, and it's performed by the great physician himself, right? So you, you can... 
you know, so so kind of we're, we're kind of making uh, metaphorically speaking, God takes the two-edged sword of the Word of God and circumcises our heart, and He cuts away the fleshy part, our, our carnal nature, and He uh, seals us unto the day of redemption. That's what circumcision was a seal. And and uh, so let, let's all look at Colossians. This will be, hopefully this is good. Hopefully, I know this is a little bit abstract, but hopefully you're following with me. I think it's good to talk about this is just rich, I believe. It is. I mean, this gets into the body, soul, spirit. Yeah. Cutting the body from the flesh. Yeah. The, the soul. Yeah, I thought I would draw that as well. Yeah. So, somebody read Colossians 2, 10 through 12, if they would. I'm going to do another famous drawing here. Is it 10 through 12? Yeah. Yeah. Ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also ye are circumcised with the circum- circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. See, he makes this he, it, the faith of the operation of God. So there's an operation here, and it in verse 11 that Sarah read, the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So this Old Testament thing about circumcision is mentioned here in the New Testament. So... Um, yeah, I'll draw it with a different color. Is there any red ones? Yeah, there's one here by the squirter on the shelf. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if we want to just... It's called the circumcision of heart, but God... The part of you that's saved, when you, your body is not saved, but somehow God you know cuts away the fleshy carnal part and uh, so the part of you that's saved is sealed unto the day of redemption and um, that, that's why John is able to say that you're that you're born of God the person that's born of God cannot sin so this part of us is sealed and it's saved and it's the perfect part of us. It's the place that the Lord dwells. And so, um, so if you think about it, think, think about physical circumcision for just a minute. Uh, what happens when a babe, a, a young child, a male child is circumcised? A physician takes a scalpel and carefully cuts away the excess flesh that causes uncleanness and removes it away from the potentially life-producing organ of the male. This operation usually has other attendants assisting. He has co-laborers with the great physician, uh, with the physician. So now think about what happens when a male or female person gets spiritually circumcised. The great physician takes the two-edged sword of the word of God and pierces their heart and carefully cuts away and removes the unclean flesh. They get forgiveness of sin. This operation also usually occurs with other attendants assisting. Uh, in other words, Christian ministers. And uh, so now, uh, turn with me to Ezekiel. And this is kind of interesting, I think. Do we have Sarah come in? Wow. Good morning, sister. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> yep, we've got another Sarah. Our daughter Sarah is with us today. Hi, Sarah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, th- this is kind of a sad passage in Ezekiel. Let, let's all. So it's right there, past Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, thirty-seven, uh, around verse seventeen. So this is kind of a judgment of the nations here in thirty-seven seventeen. 
it says the second here this second I thought I had this uh, nope it's 32 or Ezekiel 32 I know I'm like I'm not finding yeah 32 17 do you want to uh, the second here can you read 17 through 19 yeah sure it came to pass also in the 12th year and the 15th day of the month that the word of the Lord came unto me saying son of man well for the multitude of Egypt and cast them down even her and the daughters of the famous nations and to the, the neither parts of the earth with them that go down into the pit. Whom thou thou passed in beauty, go down and be thou play with down circumcised. Okay, so my, my point here, and I want you to stay here for just a minute. I want us all to see this. Rich is saying that there's a multitude from Egypt that are cast down, and they're going to the nether parts of the earth, and they're going down to this pit, and the verse of 19 says, they're laid with the uncircumcised. Then look at the end of verse 21. They are gone down. They lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Verse 23, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit. Look at the end of verse 24. Fallen by the sword, which are gone down uncircumcised. Uh, uh, Them that go down to the pit. Uh, Verse 25, they have set her abed in the midst of the slain with all the multitude her graves are round about him all of them uncircumcised slain by the sword though their terror has caused through their terror has was caused in the land of the living yet they have borne their shame with them that go down to the pit he is put in the midst of them that be slain uh, 27 there's a couple more here and they shall not lie with the mighty that are fallen of the uncircumcised which are gone down to hell it mentions hell there uh, anyway it, it says it several times all the way through verse 32 they're, they go down slain by the sword they go into hell they're going to pit and they're all uncircumcised and so it's all these uh, nations and there's a multitude of them and uh, anyway so th- that that's my point is is uh, when we get saved we get set apart uh, we get circumcised by the operation of God made without hands but if if people remain lost they're uncircumcised and they're going to the pit they're going to hell and so the word of God the sword will slay them so the same sword that cuts us apart and saves us slays the lost and so that it's a two-edged sword right it'll circumcise the save and it'll slay the lost and uh, anyway that there's just a lot of the the Bible mentions circumcision a lot and so I, I just wanted to make that application today and the Bible says uh, in Jeremiah 9 is what we just finished studying Sarah uh, it says that God is going to punish his people are uncircumcised in heart even though they're physically circumcised and he's going to punish them with the uncircumcised. So he's actually bringing these uncircumcised Babylonians to uh, slay his people and punish them and take them into bondage, into captivity. Even though they're physically circumcised, their heart is is not tender. And you know, uh, even being saved, we we can get kind of a calloused heart, and and that that's where his people were at. They uh, became just hard-hearted, even though they were uh, physically uh, God's people and set apart. And so, anyway, they're just. Uh, we we need to remain tender. We need to remain. 
uh, tender-hearted, and we need to uh, be saved so that we can live. So, anyway, that's maybe not something to necessarily share with the lost person, but it's just true that uh, that's what happens when we get saved, whether we know it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pam. Uh, just real quick, I think. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. The way I look at it is it's our soul. Because our soul is yes. life. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, and so our soul is sealed, cut away, and we all have a soul. Yes. Our soul is either going to be cut away, sealed, yes. uh, and we'll go uh, to eternity with in heaven. Yes. Or their soul, their uncircumcised soul will... That's exactly right. We all have a body, soul, spirit. The body goes to the ground. The spirit goes back to God who gave it. And our soul either spends eternity in heaven or hell. That's exactly right. Well said. Yeah, we're waiting on a new body. All right. Well, that. Blanks on the teaching Oh, what was it? It's probably stored on both, but I don't know. Yeah, I think your last two blanks were both sword. That's that's good good job, honey. I missed that. Yep. Sword and sword were Well let's uh do pray. We we had a prayer request. Was that from Amita? Anita. Anita? Yeah. I bet I bet it was Amita. Yeah, Leo and Amita aren't here today, so So we'll pray for Amita and Thank you all for being here, and uh, let, let's pray, and I know we got to get out of here. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time in your Word, and Lord, I just just so rich to uh, study your Word and to learn it, and to pray you'll just give all of us wisdom to uh, declare these things to others, and uh, Father, just uh, thank you for each soul present. Pray your uh, blessing on uh, Billy and any other new folks today, and um, be with uh, Brian in the main service. And uh, we want to lift up our sister Amita. She asking for prayer just for her health and her family. And so pray for Leo and Amita not able to be with us. Pray you restore their health and uh, any, anybody else that uh, maybe un- any unspoken needs. Father, we just pray that your good hand would touch them and, uh, and help them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I didn't tell anybody your secret.